It's not enough to know how to predict the weather. I grew up with a lyric, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows, etched in my memory. Now that reference surely dates me, although I confess I was a pretty small child when my parents were playing Bob Dylan's subterranean homesick blues on our home stereo. My parents were themselves young anti-war activists when the weathermen, who took their name from this song, broke away from Students for a Democratic Society to pursue an explicitly revolutionary agenda for social change. We've been here before, people of God. We've lived through times when households were divided three against two and two against three, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. When our politics were so bitter that violence seemed like the only viable means to an end and the sin of racism threatened to undo any semblance of civil society, all this was occurring only just about two generations ago. But it sounds eerily like last week, doesn't it? Or for that matter, yesterday on the Hawthorne Bridge. If scripture and history are any teachers, it seems like we are a species inclined to divide ourselves into warring camps, most especially in times of anxiety. So we could interpret this apparently bad news gospel, the one we just heard, as Jesus doing nothing more than telling us the truth of our human condition. We are a house divided. And weather forecasts notwithstanding, we clearly don't know how to interpret the present time. Now, specific to the 12th chapter of Luke, Jesus was describing the anticipated end of the age, the apocalypse, and its certainly destructive impact on the world as the disciples knew it. But more generally, Jesus was underscoring what we all know to be true, which is that sometimes the status quo cannot and really should not stand. That in seasons of social upheaval, things can get worse before they get better. I myself would surely rather skip the historical cycles of social progress and backlash but human beings rarely improve our lot simply by virtue of trying harder. The fact of which didn't seem to bother Jesus at all. His vision of a transformed society was not based primarily on better public policy, although I'm sure he's in favor of that, but rather on a people formed in radical faithfulness to God. His own baptism revealed the clarity of his mission and identity, and he acted in the faith that his mission would be completed even if under extreme duress. Indeed, he himself embodied God's vision for a free and fearless humanity, a vision grounded in scripture and illuminated by the saints of the church. At just about the same time as Dylan was singing of wind blowing and hard rain falling, Jonathan Daniels was studying for the ministry 
at the Episcopal Theological School in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And this very Wednesday past, our church remembered him as a martyr for his civil rights activism. He died in Haynesville, Alabama in 1965, a result of putting his 26-year-old body in the path of a bullet intended for 17-year-old Ruby Sales. His early years didn't suggest that Jonathan had any particular inclination towards civil rights activism, much less martyrdom. He grew up in a comfortably middle-class New England family and attended college at Virginia Military Institute, then a bastion of conservative Southern culture, where he graduated as valedictorian. It was when he entered Harvard to study English literature that his own faith in his privileged status quo began to crumble, and he experienced a Christian conversion that eventually led him to divinity school. Jonathan's subsequent conversion to the cause of civil rights, he attributed to the words of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who happens to be another saint of the church. We remembered just this week on Thursday, it's been a big week for saints. In his journal, Jonathan wrote, I had come to evening prayer as usual that evening, and as usual, I was singing the Magnificat with special love and reverence as I have always felt for Mary's glad song. He has shown strength with his arm. At the lovely hymn of the Godbearer, as it continued, I found myself peculiarly alert, suddenly straining toward the decisive, luminous, spirit-filled moment. And then it came. He hath put down the mighty from their thrones and hath exalted the humble and the meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things. It was March of 1965 and the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King had just issued an appeal to white clergy to join the March for Voting Rights in Alabama. I knew then I must go to Selma, Jonathan wrote in his journal, and he went. Went to march for voting rights, went to integrate the local Episcopal Church. That did not go especially well. And in his final act of protest, to picket the segregated stores with Ruby Sales and other student nonviolent coordinating committee volunteers. Thank you, Jonathan Daniels. Thank you for all our saints. We may not need a weatherman, but we surely need our saints, not because we should do exactly as they did. We are actually responsible to interpret the present time in light of our own capacities and circumstances. And I know that some of you already live very saintly lives in quiet ways right where you are. And some of you will surely be called to extraordinary vocations as Mary and Jonathan were. But we are all a better people for hearing and telling stories of saints. 
because they are the cloud of witnesses among which we run our own faithful races. They show us the myriad ways in which we, in our own time and place, can live into the freedom that God revealed to us in Jesus Christ. As Christians, we live in a creative interplay between past and present, possibility and promise. At every baptism, we say ancient words about renunciation of evil and trust in God's grace. And we believe it's possible, possible, for people to live these commitments, even though we already know that everyone will get it wrong sometimes. We make these commitments not because we are so very confident in our goodness, but because we are so confident in God's goodness. We can love with radical abandon, loving even our enemies, loving even to the point of death, because God so loved the world. That's the promise we have in Jesus Christ. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed, said Jesus. And Jonathan Daniels, protesting segregation in Lowndes County, took Jesus' faithfulness to heart. I lost fear, he wrote, when I began to know in my bones and sinews that I had been truly baptized into the Lord's death and resurrection, and that in the only sense it really matters, I am already dead, and my life is hid with Christ in God. Now, it would be tempting to polish up Jonathan Daniel's story as one of extraordinary faithfulness, except that he really doesn't let us. Like so many of the saints we revere, he clothed himself with humility. I began to lose self-righteousness when I discovered the extent to which my behavior was motivated by the self-seeking messianism of Yankee deliverance. The point, simply, that one's motives are usually mixed and one had better know it. Jonathan knew that he was one of but many runners looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He ran alongside Mary, the mother of Jesus. He ran alongside Martin Luther King, and when he could run no more this earthly race, he passed his baton to Ruby Sales and to classmate Judy Upham, and he passed his baton to us. But remember, it doesn't depend on you alone. There are plenty of saints in this race, so we have no cause to be discouraged. But nor have we permission to give up. Someone, someone in your family, among your friends or colleagues, someone needs the witness of your faithfulness in order to persevere in their own race. As I said, the daily offices day by day, Jonathan wrote, I became more and more aware of the living reality of the invisible communion of saints, of the ones gathered around a near-distant throne in the heaven 
who blend with theirs our faltering songs of prayer and praise with them, with black men and white men, with all of life, in him whose name is above all names, that the races and nations shout, whose name is itself the song which fulfills and ends all songs, with him we are indelibly, unspeakably, one. As the church in Latin America says of its martyrs, Jonathan Daniels presente. Jonathan Daniels? Let's do that with, uh, with gusto. Jonathan Daniels. Amen.